Hi, this is Lori Elster, and this is the All Access Star Trek podcast. Tony could not be here today, but Matt Wright of the Shuttlepod and frequent All Access guest star has volunteered to step in. Hi, Matt. Hey, Lori. Thanks for uh, allowing me to step in. Thanks for stepping in. Um, today on the podcast, we're going to review Lower Decks, Season 3, Episode 2, The Least Dangerous Game. But we're going to start with news. And we can't start with news unless we start with what happened last week at the 56-year mission formerly known as Star Trek Las Vegas. Oh, yeah. Matt, have, have you recovered yet? Uh, no, I have not. I mean, I didn't have a time you know, zone change like you did, but still, no. I'm still dragging. We were running around like crazy, and then we all went right back to work as soon as we got back. I know. We're crazy people, right? But hey, yeah. you know. It was fun. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was really fun. And we got to see, I mean, we had the whole Trek movie team there. We got to, Matt and I actually met face to face for the first time. Yes, overdue. We finally met face to face. Yeah. lovely. We ran around. We went to panels. We had our own panel. We mm-hmm. checked out the vendor's room. We got to reunite with all kinds of people. Mm-hmm. Matt, what was maybe a highlight for you? Uh, well, besides the obvious of seeing everyone in person, because um, really that's half the reason why we go, right? Is to see the TM team and others like in person. Um, beyond that, I think, and I, I know we're going to talk about it, but it was the Andy Kindred because she's this yeah. unique, almost lost, you know, to time. Thankfully, people found her. They're talking, you know, she's she's now writing a book. We're really getting somewhere, but you know, she's this link to Gene Kuhn, uh, that, you know, it's one of the only links to Gene Kuhn at this point that we have left. Yeah. It's alive. So that was amazing. She was also, uh, signing books. And so you could actually have a one-on-one conversation with yeah. her, which was cool. Yeah. She, and we she's all a hoot. did, right? She's yeah. Oh yeah. And she's a hoot. She's a lot of fun to talk to. She's got a lot of great stories. I haven't cracked her book yet since I've barely been back from Vegas, but I can't wait to read her stories, you know? Yeah, same. Her anecdotes. I would say one of my highlights, aside from all the panels and the socializing and all the stuff that was so fun, was I had a moment in the hallway where I was just standing there and Mike and Denise Akuda walked by and Mike stopped and pointed right at me, which was sort of like, am I having a little dream right now? And then said... <laughs> I love your Daystrom Institute t-shirt. Oh, that's so cool. All I could do was turn to him and say, and I love you guys, as he went by. Exactly. (laughs) And he laughed. Because what else can you say? It's the Akutas. Of course they're great. Yeah. That's awesome, though, that he said that. Made my whole day. It was like first thing in the morning one day, so I was just on a high for the rest of the day. Yeah, way to start your day off right, huh? (laughs) Yeah. And I also had a fantastic encounter with guest star Glenn Morshower. Oh, yes. Glenn Morshower. Who, if you don't know, you totally do know him. He's been in everything. <laughs> yes. Yes. I mean, I knew him from 24 and Friday Night Lights primarily. Yes. So That's what we mean by everything. Like, he's yes. everywhere. Yep. Mm-hmm. So let's dig into the panels. Let's yeah. start. So the opening one was Denise Crosby all by herself. Yeah, she held, she held it down all by herself, too. She did a great job. She was great. She had really fun stories. But the big moment came when Finn got up and asked if she was part of Picard season three. Mm-hmm. Yes. And she had Tony had interviewed her earlier for Trek movie. Like, I mean, I don't mean earlier that day. I mean, a ways back. Yeah. And, you know, she'd said, oh, that ship has sailed because they'd already finished shooting. Right. But here's I'll say what she said. 
She said to this fan, I don't want to give away too much, but I'm going to tell you that you will see Tasha Yar, but I'm not going to tell you how you've got to watch. Right. So, I mean, that can mean all kinds of things, right? Uh, flashbacks, potentially, probably not, but maybe, you know what I mean? Um, I, I, I don't know about you. I can't remember if we even talked about this. I know Brian and I talked about it. Um, that we kind of think it's maybe just uh, like Data's little holographic portraiture shows back up, you know, of Tasha, something like that. Something as simple, it could be anything as simple as that, right? Who knows what that really means? Yeah, I think it could be that some or something holodeck related. Yeah. Or, I mean, the, the bottom line is she didn't shoot any new scenes. So they had to take it from something that exists or they had to create it, which I don't think they would have done. Right. Um, didn't you, didn't, you know, showrunner Terry Metallus even say, well, she's, she's represented in some way at some point. I can't remember he did. that. Yeah. He did. So, so we knew like somehow, some way Tasha was going to be represented. Yeah. I mean, it could even be a picture on the wall. Like we don't know. It could yeah, be we don't know. some memorial something for her that we don't know about. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Hmm. There are a lot of options. Yeah. There's a lot of ways to go with it. The other interesting thing she said that I liked was when someone asked her what she would have liked to have explored that she mm-hmm. didn't, although she always says she's she feels good about the time that she left and that she got to come back as often as she did. But she said she wanted to dig into Tasha's backstory, which I would have been fascinated by myself. Oh, yeah. She had a heck of a backstory, like what little we knew of it anyway. Yeah. So, yeah. All right, so another panel that I really enjoyed was the Deep Space Nine panel. I loved, I love all those. I love the Voyager one. I love the Deep Space Nine one. Um, and the Enterprise one, too. Like, everybody gets all nuts when they're with each other, which is yeah. fun. Yeah, they do. <laughs> <laughs> so, but Terry Farrell made a bit of a splash herself when she basically talked about how it wouldn't be hard to come up with a way to get Jedzia back. And she was like, Spock came back. Lots of people come back. It's Star Trek. It's not that effing hard. Or she said, it's no big effing deal. <laughs> but she didn't say effing. Bold words being nice. there. Yeah. yeah. Being nice to our listeners. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so, did, I mean, the tricky part there, of course, is that the symbiont is in somebody else, right? Yeah. That's, that's the one thing. Is like the symbiont has a long life, has moved on. <laughs> so who's coming back? I don't know. I guess Jedzia Sans symbiont could come back somehow. Somehow. Look, I loved her, so I would be happy with whatever anybody could ever come up with. Yeah. I mean, I think everybody would like to see her back. I just don't know how they do it. Yeah. It's tricky. You know, I always love seeing her on panels because I feel like she's very honest. She's someone who didn't have a great time. It wasn't consistent, but there were many things that were problematic for her. Yeah. Particularly her exit. Yes. Which she's talked about a few times, but it sounds pretty rough by the end. Yeah. And I think, you know, I don't, I don't think Rick Berman treated her very well when she was there. Yeah. And one of the things she talked about was being like a young green actress who'd come from the modeling world and suddenly having to handle all this techno babble and how... There was a day she said that it was so rough for her that like 20 takes in, she was losing it. And she talked about, and and as she talked about this, she got so emotional, she had to stop talking for a moment. And then she described how 
compassionate and helpful Avery Brooks was with her saying, it's just TV. It's all okay. It's going to be fine. And I, I just found that kind of beautiful. That's, that's really great. And especially because, you know, Avery is maybe the most mysterious of all the Star Trek actors at this point. You know, he just, Mm -hmm. he's, and he's always had, he's always kind of done his own thing and been more of a not so public person. And now that's, you know, more true than ever as time goes on. So hearing something like that is always really cool. It's just really great to know that what Avery Brooks is like, because we don't really know. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, Sorok Lofton said at the same panel that he said Avery was the lead of the show and he could have demanded that he get the most lines, that he have the most Mm -hmm. scenes, that he have the best lines, and that he was the most generous person who always made sure that everybody else got their chance. I mean, let's face it, that shows up. Look how great and deep a bench of characters you have in Deep Space Nine. Yeah. That starts at the top, right? That the number one on the call sheet actually didn't mind sharing the spotlight. Yeah, they had the the biggest group of recurring characters for sure of anybody mm-hmm. and a big cast yep and then another legacy panel that was really wild was the <laughs> enterprise guys who are always wild and um garrett wong was moderating which i actually thought he did an amazing job yeah, that was smart to have garrett do this i think yeah <laughs> yeah i don't know who else could have wrangled them all you know, things get a little crazy. They get crazy. Yeah, they do. Yeah. So, but Anthony Montgomery was talking about how he, you know, was very underutilized. And he mm-hmm. said, look, I'm, I'm, I can act. I'm a talented actor. <laughs> and I, I didn't get to do very much. And he said, when I got on the show, I was told, we hope, we hope they don't Harry Kim you. Oof. <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, Garrett. I'm sure Garrett. There. Yeah, I love yeah. that. <laughs> He goes, they Harry Kimmed me. But actually, they ended up sort of commiserating about the whole thing. I mean, Garrett got a lot of stories that were just his. Yeah. He just never got promoted. Poor guy. But right. But yeah, poor Anthony Montgomery. Goodness gracious. They did nothing with Travis aside from a couple of like he has such a cool potential backstory. And they did a couple of cool episodes, you know, related to his uh, his time as a space boomer, which has become even weird. It's a weird term today now. But anyway, um, <laughs> And it's cool, but then they just gave him nothing more. You know, they they threw him a bone. Was it in the first season, the second season, some some sort of episodes about, you know, his family and what it was like to be, uh, you know, the, the sort of low warp uh, cargo runs and stuff like that. And then there was nothing. And it's so sad. Yeah. No, and he said that initially the plans were that he would be Trip Tucker's best friend. And they had a wow. nice scene together in the pilot. And uh, Connor Trenier confirmed that completely. He said, yeah, that's why that scene was written. Wow. You know, when he finds him, oh, he's finding the, like the perfect spot in, on in the, the ship. spot. Yeah. Yeah. So that was really setting up their relationship. And then they just didn't go anywhere. They didn't do anything with it. Well, dang, yeah. man. I know. That's a bummer. One of the many kind of missed opportunities of Enterprise, I would say. Yeah. there's a That's a big list. But mm-hmm. that's definitely on it. So we have articles on all of these on the site if you want to read more details. There are other articles going up over time that will cover some of the other highlights. I mean, the Andy Kindred, Kindred panel, I think, was a big highlight for oh, all yeah. of us. 
I didn't yeah. even get to see the whole thing. So you were there from the very beginning, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was there. I had to make a hard choice. It was one of those choices of seeing the Strange Doom Worlds folks who I was excited to see because it overlapped, which was a bummer. Yeah. Or just go to see Andy from the beginning. So you, know, you did Strange Doom Worlds. So thank you, Lori. And then you ran over to Andy afterwards. You should have seen me run. <laughs> oh, and by the way, kids, this really is kind of a crazy running. And we're not kidding because Bally's is, uh, was laid out differently. And we, they were on split levels. And by split levels, we mean like 25 floors in between. So it was a little crazy. They had to go up a express elevator to get to the other uh, halls. So, <laughs> And the hallways in general, I mean, this is a different venue for the first time. And the hallways were just very congested. And uh, I had to use my New York walk. That's right. It's a good thing you've got that New York. Yeah. <laughs> I do. I dodge in and out. So I did yep. catch the end of hers, which I thought was just phenomenal. And she's someone I've been reading about since I was a little kid. That's right. Because what was it? David Gerald wrote about her first. Yep. Kind of a, That's how the sort of first inkling that, hey, there's more people behind the scenes that we should talk to, you know, kind of thing. Um, yeah, she's, she's great. She's very, uh, you know, she's, she's, she's aging. So she kind of, thankfully she's writing it down. So she had her book with her sometimes to help her out a little bit with recollections, but it was great. And she's got a lot of kind of sass and attitude in the best way. You know, she's a very sassy, you know, rambunctious lady, uh, talking about, you know, her younger days, uh, wearing mini skirts and getting attention was really, you know, because it's just, you know, you could think, you think about how revolutionary it was that, that, you know, mini skirts were suddenly a thing and people think, Oh, but it's exploitive, but not in its era. Not at the time. That was a huge deal. That was women reclaiming sort of a little bit of their own sexuality, right? Like they could choose to do this. And so she was, you know, she was all about that. And it's just funny to hear her talk about how, you know, she got on the Desilu lot and, you know, Gene Kuhn was like, hey, hey, maybe you should be my assistant, you know, and the good, <laughs> you know, the good and the bad of what that meant, especially in that era. But it was just really it was really great to hear it from her. And we don't know, like we said, you know, Gene Kuhn died so young. We don't really know much about the other Gene or to her Gene, because that was her Gene. So so when right. her talks and her book. He's Gene, and uh, Gene Roddenberry is the great bird, is when she refers to the, to him. So that's how you know when she talks about him. That's that's how you keep the two genes straight. Her Gene is Gene Kuhn, of course, because that's who she worked for and really admired. Yeah, it was just really great. She had a lot of struggles, too. I mean, she was a black woman working in TV oh, at yeah. a time that that was not a common thing. Oh, yeah. she. I mean, she, you know, she basically said that she was... You know, she knows that she was sort of a Desilu, like diversity hire, for lack of a better term. But she was very glad to be there. And she and she certainly made the most of it. Like she did a really great job uh, impressing everyone, working her way up, becoming basically Gene Kuhn's like right hand. You know, Gene ended up leaving and going to Universal. And as soon as he got set up there, he immediately, you know, had her come over and grabbed her from the Desilu uh, secretarial pool and had her come over to universal. So, you know, she was, she was on it. She was in demand, you know, she was in demand. Like she knew what she was doing. She was a great kind of production assistant for him. So it's pretty cool because how many people can say that, uh, especially 
today about that era being a woman being a woman of color like not many you know yeah um if you're interested in picking up her book we'll put up a link she has a website where you can uh get notified as soon as it is available i guess right. for online sale a whole book about her entire life including the trek stuff so yeah it looks good um, speaking of trailblazers, there was also a great tribute to Nichelle Nichols with old convention footage. That was lovely. That was that the they had a, a clip from like 1990, I think it was, with her and D. Kelly oh. just teasing D mercilessly about silly Hollywood stuff that she didn't understand. It was really funny. Because you know, everybody like Hollywood, everyone gets ends up getting veneers often, right? And so she didn't understand that. And so their teeth, you know, they're trying to figure out her teeth look great. And so apparently there's this whole story of them timidly approaching her asking. Like Shatner, Nimoy, and Kelly, like right. all of them. And Dee's the one who got voted to go over there and ask her about <laughs> it. <laughs> and so she's recounted the story in front, you know, in 1990 on stage in a creation convention in front of poor Dee, who's just kind of there slightly embarrassed and very friendly about it all with with michelle anyway i that's a new one to me so that was awesome yeah i hadn't seen that i hadn't heard about it so it was great yeah so and there was also there's a costume contest which there always is i mean there are tons of people in great outfits just walking around the convention all the time oh, but yeah. the winner of the costume contest was a very excellent badgie from lower decks <laughs> yeah it was good but i had uh from from what i could tell I don't remember who, who it was, but that person stayed in character like the entire time. And they were like full of energy and like leaping around, you know, all ha- wired like Badger was. Yeah, all like day. a very, a very jaunty walk. Yeah. So I mean, that's impressive all day in the And I think Badgie's mom had to help Badgie not bump into things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can't, <laughs> I can't imagine they could see very well. And then we also did a panel. We did a panel on the state of Star Trek. And if you're listening to this, you've already seen it in your feed. So you can check out the live panel from Trek movie. Yeah. Let us know what you thought. Is there anything else you want to cover from, uh, from the convention, Matt? No, I don't think so. This being an unofficial convention, there's no like official news to talk about. So I think we hit on it. All right. Um, I'm sure when Tony's back next week, we'll get some highlights from him as well. Yes. I'm sure he's got thoughts. So do you want to dig into the movie news? Oh, yeah. The one bit of movie news, which, let's be honest, I don't find this surprising. It's a bummer, but I don't find it surprising that they lost another director because everything just keeps taking too long and is uncertain. So Matt Shackman has left the project. He was the last director scheduled to be in charge of this one. Now he's going to be directing the Fantastic Four reboot that should be coming out in November 2024. Yeah. Um, I don't think Doug Jones is going to be in this one. (laughs) No. So they're looking for a new director, but that, you know, it's supposed to come out December 2023. I, I don't see how. Yeah. Yeah. They'd have to. I mean, they don't have a director. They haven't signed the actors officially. I mean, that's the real killer thing is you keep hearing from these actors. Hey, that's great. But they haven't even really approached me. Like, I don't really know. So yeah. how can they think it's going to be done in a little like a year from now? They can't. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. All right. Well, moving on, we finally have a schedule for Star Trek Day, which All is right. Thursday, September 8th, which yep. I guess that means 
it will have happened by the time of our next podcast. Oh, that's right. Right? Yeah. So mm-hmm. Tony will be there reporting from the red carpet or whatever color they make the red <laughs> carpet. Blue like carpet. Yellow Blue carpet. Blue carpet, I guess. Yeah. Um, it's a live global streaming event. Um, but it'll be taking place at the Skirball Center in LA. It's going to start at noon Pacific. That's 3 p.m. Eastern. The co-hosts mm-hmm. are Mary Chifo, who was also at um, the convention and hosted the costume contest. She's awesome. Yeah, she's and Jackie great. Cox from RuPaul's Drag Race, who's a huge Star Trek fan. Yeah. So just a quick thing. There'll be panels for usually with just a couple of people. There'll be Picard, Lower Decks, Prodigy, Strange New Worlds. They're doing a Nichelle Nichols tribute. Yep. They're going to show a behind-the-scenes set tour of Discovery with Wilson Cruz. And I, and I think... We'll get a look at the filming of the new season. I assume, yeah. They're going to tease yeah. us a little. Um, and there's like a musical guest, Reggie Watts from The Late Late Show. That's kind of interesting. I interesting. think that's new. Yeah. And stand-up comedy, which we'll see how that goes. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure that's what people want. And then there's going to be, this is kind of interesting, augmented reality portals. In we have all the inf- the details on the site. So a couple of cities in the States and then a couple of cities internationally with Star Trek Deltas featured with QR codes. And when you scan them, it says it transforms the objects into mixed reality portals that bring the user into the world of Star Trek. Yeah, so it's augmented reality, you know, stuff you do on your phone. Okay, can I just say, though, the place in Melbourne, Australia, is is awesomely named. It has nothing to do, you know, it's a historical site, but it's perfect. It's it, it, The the pop-up site is in Federation Square, which is like, <laughs> how awesome is that? That's great. I would do that on purpose <laughs> if I were making that decision. Oh, yeah. It's like, yeah. it's like how could you not pick that? <laughs> it's awesome. Um, and there'll also be fundraising. So if you uh, tweet that day using the hashtag Star Trek United Gives, I assume that's on Instagram too, um, then a dollar goes to charity. And mm-hmm. again, details on the site. And there's also a discount uh, for anything you buy in the store that day. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So big, big Star Trek day coming. Yeah, very curious to see what we get. Hopefully we get a little more tease of Picard season three, you know, throw us a little bone somehow. Uh, do you think we'll get a full trailer? I don't know, because you know what else is coming is New York Comic Con, which is where they often do stuff like that. Right. The other thing that I really kind of hope then is if, because maybe they're holding that for New York Comic Con, how about at least something for the back 10 of Prodigy, you know, a, a sort of a second half trailer? Please. Because that's going to come at some point uh, after Lord X finishes. So come on. Yeah. Let's see something. Yeah, I'm very eager. You know yeah. me, Prodigy. Oh, yeah. Uh, back on some Nichelle news, we just found out that she's going to be, some of her ashes are going to be launched into a special memorial, you know, commercial flight that they call the Enterprise flight, right? And they're going to have more uh, remains of people, including Gene Roddenberry and Majel Barrett Roddenberry, Jimmy Dewin, oh, and Doug Trumbull. So, um he was, of course, like an amazing visual effects artist that worked on Star Trek The Motion Picture, among many other things. Uh, there's a video, of course, like with more details. So check it out at trackmovie.com. That's really cool. I always, I mean, it always seems very fitting, right? That <laughs> these people who have played like astronauts and then, of course, Michelle, who actually really did inspire real astronauts. Yeah. That her ashes 
pent up in space. So that feels right. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I think it's I think it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, that's nice. I didn't know there was more of Gene to go up there because I know some of Gene is already up there. <laughs> but... Right. Such a weird <laughs> Same with Jimmy, I think. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. Definitely. So, okay. But I guess more ashes are going up, which is sure. whatever. That's nice. <laughs> yeah. So we have a little merch news also, which is that we have a trailer for the Star Trek Picard Season 2 Blu-ray DVD. Right. You go look at the little behind-the-scenes features. Yep, and they include, they said that uh, the special features are going to include uh, props, gag reels, which should be fun, deleted scenes, something about creating the stargazer, making the Borg queen, I think a feature with John Delancey probably talking about Q's legacy. And uh, and pre-order links are already up, so you'll be doing a full review of this when it comes in, right Matt? That's right. And then I'll read your review and probably desperately want my own. (laughs) Always happens. You never know. <laughs> if you like to collect these things, yeah, you're going to be feel compelled to, right? <laughs> yeah. I know. I almost wish I could just get the features, the special features. <laughs> I know. Other people are sort of, it's, it's funny too, since we wrote this this trailer up, you're not alone. A lot of people are like, could we just get, you know, the, the features as like a digital download to kind of go with this or, you know, not worry about, oh, yeah, well, but you know, that's how this works really is the special features are really like, one of the reasons why you get physical media at this point. So, right. Yeah. Right. So yeah, look out for that in the coming weeks. So before we dive into our review of lower decks, the second episode, Tony did an interview with Mike McMahon after the first one aired just to get into some of the details of what happened in that first episode and where the season is headed. And I think, you know, one of the key points he said was that, The characters, as you've probably noticed if you're watching, are evolving, they are growing, and the show is headed in a more character-based direction. They're not going to give up on being goofy and silly and fun, as you'll see in this episode. Mm -hmm. But they're definitely taking the humor now. They have sort of more to pull from. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, you can tell even from this, you know, 301, you can tell that this is a little more mature can tell it's a little different but like in a good way it's an evolution of things so i got no complaints with that yeah <laughs> any so he talked about getting uh james cromwell to mm-hmm. resurrect his role of zephram cochran which is a very cool thing i did not necessarily expect that mike said he was just as inspired by first contact the movie as he was by in a mirror darkly because he really liked the fact that he came in and then completely switched things up um and so it was hard to get him because he's a really busy guy, but that like all the other legacy actors, he just got what they were doing right away, which is take your character and then like turn it up to 11. Yeah. Well, especially because, I mean, he has a really great reason to just sort of be more over the top, which is like, he's a virtual ride version. So, you know, right. you would expect that to be kind of <laughs> heightened, right? Like to, you know, impress people or, you know, whatever as a theme park, right? So, and he right. was great. I, I honestly wasn't sure how much, you know, I saw that they were going to go to Bozeman, right? So I was like, okay, I don't know how much they're going to do with it. And then I thought, well, you know, maybe they'll get a sound alike for a couple of lines or something and not bother, you know, Mr. Cromwell, who's very busy with both, you know, activism work and acting. Yeah. And then, no, they got him and he, you know, that he had a bunch of lines and I was like, no, that's really him. That's awesome. So. 
I shouldn't have doubted. Of course he did. Yeah. And so, and, and I think, you know, Tony was asking about the process for getting all these legacy actors and Mike said, basically like first they write it, then they have to check in with all the other showrunners. Yeah. Are you using this character where, and then they check in to find out where's this character in Canon. So they check with John Van Sitters and Dayton Ward, Aaron McDonald for the science of it. If they're bringing someone back or doing something weird with it. And once that's all been greenlit, then they approach the actors. Which is smart. Someone at the con brought up, was talking to Tim Russ, asking Tim Russ a question because he is in, he was in the first episode, but he didn't have any lines. Not really. So Tim Russ didn't even know that he was in the first episode. Right, because it's just a flashback visual of Tuvok. But he did say he's been talking to them. That's good. Yeah, I think that we will, we will hear from him eventually. You got to think because that is still the Voyager, you know, like just a little after Voyager era. Tuvok is definitely out there doing things. So as we saw. Right. So, yeah, it only makes sense. Yeah. So let's get into our review. Episode 302, The Least Dangerous Game. Um, (laughs) The Least Dangerous Game. The Least Dangerous Game. So, Matt, what's your overview? Uh, Yeah, really, really enjoyable. I don't know. Um, it's a, There are parts of it that I liked more than others. I kind of feel like it's about, I feel about the same as I did with the premiere. Like I really liked it. Um, I thought it was, there's some nice uh, follow on, you know, and sort of growth and follow on, especially specifically with Mariner. Um, so yeah, I really liked it. It's hard to f- really find problems with what they're doing so far. You know, it's just pretty good. Yeah, I thought it moved really quickly. This time they had sort of multiple stories going on at the same time. And they managed to zip back and forth. So the pacing was really great. Their callbacks and references, I thought, were all spot on. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, there was sort of a hot girl moment. I could have maybe, again, that just could have used some tweaking. And that's it. Like, I don't, I'm all for hot people in general, animated or live action. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But again, I just, when we get to that scene, we'll talk about it. But I think overall it was like, it was a rollicking good time. Everybody in it kind of was willing to take the blame for their own choices, which I liked. Yeah. Um, And it had a very sitcom-y setup with the whole boiler, like from now on. I'm just going to say yes to everything. Yeah, it was the classic, like, what happens when you just say yes to everything? Yeah. And yet, I thought it was very keeping with who, in keeping with who he is as a person. Oh, That is the kind of thing he would do. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. When he commits, he commits. He's just going to say yes to everything. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Right. So we had, I mean, I guess if you're looking at an, you know, an A story, a B story, and a C story, the A story is Mariner and Ransom. Sure. I mean, it's kind of a pick em, right? The AB is is sort of interchangeable in this case. But yeah. Well, so with it, again, then now I go, so what's your B? Because I was having a hard time deciding. The B is Boimler saying yes to everything, I think. Right. Yeah, the C, I think, is the, what's going on to on the surface of the planet, because we barely see it, if you ask me. but. Well, it was a big story that Rutherford and Billups and their belly buttons... Okay, that's yes. Towards the <laughs> yeah. towards the end, we get more of it. But for a lot of the episode, we we just sort of hear you know their calm check in as it gets more and more desperate, right? Like, right. this isn't working. 
<laughs> We're being sacrificed to the volcano. I know. Demand a parlay, you know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it was so good. Even just the way the whole episode started where they're basically playing this game with General Martok. Yes, um, a ripoff General Martok, as we learned. Right, Ferengi <laughs> ripoff. <laughs> but not actually ripped off because it really was voiced by J.G. Hertzler. So yes. at least that part's real. <laughs> but they did this really fun thing where he would say, like, you have rolled, and then in a slightly different voice, on 18. Yeah. So that, <laughs> you know, to make it clear, to make it sound like that cheap thing where they where they just insert, you know, hello, Matt Wright. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> insert name here. Like. Right. <laughs> That's right, because it's a Ferengi knockoff. Right. So they're playing, you know, the Klingon version of Dungeons and Dragons, basically. Right. So I know I enjoyed all that stuff. Like, and and I mean, I don't think we have to go through point by point because there are no. so many great moments and great lines. Although one of uh, Martok's great lines was when he says <laughs> that uh, when Boimler loses his life in the game, or he says he lives out his days as a dentist. <laughs> Yeah, that was a funny thing to have happen. <laughs> That's right. Well, there's no honor in that stuff, so it's right. very shameful. <laughs> right. I also I loved the uh, the dirges. Yes. <laughs> so that this goes back to that whole saying yes thing that that you know you get that whole thing where suddenly saying yes means that you know people like you and or or you favors right because you said yes to something right. So he says yes to the. Uh, was it Bajoran funeral dirge choir, right? right. Well, oh it started gosh. with the spring ball because they needed a wiry dude who was hard to hit. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if he even succeeded at that exactly, but because he's in the floor, like on the fetal position by the end of that. Yeah, but, shrieking, oh well. basically. Shrieking, yeah. yes. And so, of course, Shaq says, hey, <laughs> can you <see?" laughs> And I just love that they're all just crying because it's just the saddest dirge ever. You know, like. <laughs> they were crying, but I was laughing. <laughs> yeah, I love, I mean, all that stuff with Boimler and being chased by Cranch. Cranch was screaming. pretty great. Yeah. And I loved when he ran into the captain in the corridor and she was like, oh, you know, I'll, of course I'll help you. And then, wait, no, we just had a great brunch. That's fine. Cancel security. Yeah. So. <laughs> you offered to be hunted. Right. So good. We shared a lovely brunch. He's quite the charmer, she says. <laughs> right. She's like, he's good. You better run. So that was. <laughs> and then at the end, Cranch just wanted to take selfies. That's right. Because he practices catch and release. I love right? that. <laughs> he pulls up. And even after Boimler's unconscious, he gets one more for the boys. Yeah. Yeah. He's got a giant alien selfie stick, basically. It's yeah. Like, All right. <laughs> So why not? Good. <laughs> why not? <laughs> so good. And then poor Mariner, who is right this time. She is, yeah. You know, like for, she she finally is trying to not think that she's right all the time, but she is right. Well, and then Ransom is. I mean, he's a real jerk about this whole thing, where he insists that they basically switch roles, right, with the engineers, and they're like, "Engineers, you go down. We'll, you know, do the grunt work." And then, of course, it takes forever because they're not, that's not really their forte. Well, and he's not contributing. Yeah, that's true. He's not. <laughs> Except, yeah, I think he throws a pipe in at one point and that's about it, right? And then, right. then, does, and then does like pull up off of it. Like, right. Thanks, dude. Um, <laughs> but he's basically trying to see if he can get her to challenge his authority, which she finally sneaks out to do it in a yeah. very Star Trek 
2009 slash Wiley Coyote kind of way. <laughs> True. Yes. Yes, she does. Uh, well, and so, of course, the whole time, the engineers thinking that they're in, you know, right. They've, they've found another like Edo planet, you know, where the people run around in yes. skimpy clothing, uh, which is true until, you know, the pro- they do something against protocol and then they're not so happy with them. And so, the you know, these these periodic calls up from the surface are pretty funny. You know, it's just like, oh, no, I think we might have annoyed them. Oh, no, we really actually pissed them off. What do we do? You know. Right. And. And they said their leaders either in. An ancient god or a telepathic baby. They're kind of dancing around it. (laughs) That was hilarious. (laughs) So it was like a little, there was a little like Val in there. There was a little oracle from For the World is Hollow and I've Touched the Sky. There were like all these different sort of fun pieces of. And as it turns out, it was actually all of those things. Yes. Oh, and a sentient volcano. Don't forget that. Yes. And Billups getting sacrificed because he has an Audi. Oh my god, that was funny! I know Ransom just like show them your navels. They, you know, they worship that or whatever. And then yeah, apparently he has the wrong kind. Right, we're trying, and they're holding up their shirts and running. It was so good. And again, there was that one scene that you know where the girls are, where they said, "Oh, everyone here greets you with French kissing or whatever with tongue." Yeah, and all that was fine. I just again wish they'd switch it up just add something so it's not the most typical thing that also could have been written 30 years ago agreed throw some dudes in there and i feel like these shows are very good with showing that women can be bisexual but they still except for discovery are pretty nervous about men that's very true you're right discovery is the only one that doesn't shy away from that and that's i think society as a whole is often like that too because there's this well, you know, women can get together. And I think there just should have been a man. And one of those two guys should have also enjoyed that there was also a man. Yeah, sure. Yeah. There's no reason why not. Just my own. Again, it's only because the show is so good that I want it to to not rely on an old, tired trope. Yeah, for sure. And even, you know, justice for all of its flaws, and it's mostly flaws. <laughs> that episode is terrible. They definitely had like the men's outfits were worse than the women. So, but I thought that sort of the moral of the episode was really good. What is the moral of the episode? Well, I think it was helping your friends. I mean, a huge part of it. I mean, I think it was owning your choices. And I think it was helping your friends. Like the reason Mariner is getting so frustrated isn't because she thinks she knows better, but it's because her friend is in trouble. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I gotcha. That makes perfect sense to me. Right. And Tendy feels guilty because she's the one she thinks she's the one who got Boimler to take all these risks. Right. So, I mean, I don't know what Boimler's lesson is because he was just decided he's going to, he said old Boimler was into moderation. Bold Boimler is into boldness. So, well, I think he learned that <laughs> there's a reason why it's called moderation, right? I don't think he learned that. Do you, you don't think, think he so? Did? <laughs> okay, that's a good point. I don't know. I, you, you'd think the you know spear in the arm, maybe he kind of figured that out. But I don't know. You're right. I don't know. Hmm. I think he benefited so much from everything that happened because he did get a nice, you know, recommendation to the captain. True. So. Huh. Well, yeah. maybe Bramley learned nothing. This blows the sitcom trope of learning a lesson. Then, there huh? you go. <laughs> <laughs> cool. <laughs> 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 uh, 
And look, Rutherford even blames himself for what happened because he said he didn't have his belly button out. Oh my god, so it was that's his funny. own fault. That's right. He says, yeah. It's my own fault. That's right. Uh, yeah. uh, the ridiculousness of once again, Ransom gets to just like tear off his shirt. And this time it saves the day. But it actually saves the day. That's right. Yeah. Because he's like, they have a fitness based culture. So, you know, rips it off with his gleaming, you know, pecs or whatever. And it's just like, I demand parlay. And they're like, oh, okay. You know, <laughs> they were so impressed. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. They really do need to make Ransom a little, do, do a little more than that at some point, though. Except what I, I mean, he did show up, save the True. day. He did what he had to do. He rec- he apologized and said, I was doing this on purpose. I made the wrong choice. So he learned something. Even only only to Beckett, though, right? He didn't say that to the guys that got stuck, though, right? No. Yeah, I didn't think so. He should have told poor Billups and Rutherford that. Right. Do you have any uh, favorite lines? Well, as you said, there's just like there's a ton of really great funny stuff in here, so it's really hard for me to pin one down. I don't know. I feel like there's got to be something really funny from Cranch. He's he's said a lot of like great, very serious, intense things. Still really like his delivery of the thanks for the mimosas. Like, <laughs> you know, as as he's hunting Boimler, but also talking like schmoozing with the captain, right? And also, you know, he marked him as prey, like the Herogen would yes. do and but then when he was describing the different kinds of prey he said the third kind is a weak lizard type creature that doesn't really apply to you oh that's right <laughs> <laughs> those three types were great yeah so i thought ransom got in some of the best ones in the whole episode when he says to mariner starfleet isn't all about being fed fruit by erotic aliens with slightly different nose ridges that's right that's great which it is and his advice was just explain that we respect all cultures and, you know, morality and the prime directive and all that stuff. And all that stuff. It'll be fine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Is there anything else you want to cover? No. I Like what we were saying, just a solid episode. Yeah. And I think it's moving forward really nicely. And I mean, I watched it a bunch of times to do the review and I thoroughly enjoyed it every single time. Nice. That's always a good uh, hallmark that you can actually watch it a bunch and not get sick of it. Well, because we've all watched our Star Treks 8,000 times. And so as long as we can keep doing that, I feel like they're on the right track. Oh, for sure. Um, So let's wrap things up with our bits of the week. Matt, you got something? Uh, Just a little thing, which is that uh, while we were in Vegas, I got my review copies of the other TOS movies in 4K, including the much anticipated, I think, especially like you and I are, and Brian on the Shuttlepot are very excited for this, is the much anticipated disc release of uh, the Motion Picture Director's Edition. Now that we have our matching badges that we picked up. That's right. We got those from the fan sets at, in Vegas together. So I got them. I haven't, of course, had a lot of time to go through them yet, but I'll tell you, I popped in the disc of bonus features that are new from the motion picture and it's there's some pretty great little things in there there's three deleted scenes that they unearthed that i never thought would ever be unearthed so the, there's some cool stuff there very excited cool what about you Lori? i have mine is short and sweet but it's um a guy who's i don't can't even see his name on his youtube channel his name is trumpet art but he basically recorded the star trek the next generation theme for trumpets and euphonium 
and it's a screen split into eight, but he's in all of he's he's all eight people playing all, all, mostly trumpets, but euphonium also wearing he's either wearing a yellow shirt or a blue shirt, and one rectangle has him in a red shirt. So of course <laughs> at the end something fun happens. But he plays the whole theme by himself. It sounds utterly fantastic. It takes a minute and a half of your time uh, and it's it's well worth it. Impressive. Fun. All right. So Matt, thank you again for filling in. Oh, of course. Happy to do it. And we will be back next week with the All Access Star Trek podcast. Please uh, go to the site, put comments on the site, do us a big favor and review us on uh, iTunes. That would mean a lot to us. All right. Have a good week. <laughs>